And now, proper propaganda. Pull my mic back, you like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. For those of you just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are now and again tuned in to Civic Cipher. Ain't that the truth? All right, so um, stick around. We got a little bit more story to tell you. Uh, again, it's not black and it's not white. It's not black or white. It's not black versus white. It's blue. Okay? It's a lot more than blue. But we're going to start with the blue to help y'all to see what reality looks like. And then we're going to slowly work from there to explain all these other less visible forces that don't get recorded. But... Today, we're talking about how it's not black or white, it's blue. Um, we're also going to spend some time talking about uh, a, an enormous bank robbery where uh, the largest in the country it came from black people by white-owned banks, and it was very sad. But right about now, we are going to teach you how to be a BA, that is become a better ally, Baba. So today's Baba sponsored by Major Threads for the finest in menswear. Check out majorthreads.com. And if you would like to become a better ally, we're inviting you to check out the NAACP. That's at NAACP.org. I got a note from them. Uh, it says, last week, the world watched with horror as the city of Memphis released the footage from the heinous police brutality that killed Tyree Nichols. The police officers involved have been charged, but there's far from that is far from enough. We have run out of thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers do not change the lack of regard for black lives. 10,000 urgent signatures are needed. Add your name now to urge Congress to pass critical police reform legislation to end police brutality. Ending the inhumane and unjustified trauma of police violence against black Americans is going to take more than what we've seen from people in power today. There's not a single federal law on the books addressing police violence. We are making sure Congress knows that failing to act now means writing another obituary. We need real legislative action now so no one experiences this kind of horrific violence at the hands of law enforcement ever again. Okay, that's from the NAACP again, NAACP.org. Um, they do have a fund uh, where you can donate uh, for this as well. And um, this is important. You know, they're, 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 we're not all going to agree on what the best thing to do is, but the NAACP is doing something. And if you're doing nothing right now, then you can at least help some organization do something because what we're seeing right now it's hurtful and it's awful and it's clearly not working and so let's now's not the time to to play the politics game we need to move the needle on in a lot of arenas this being you know one of the ones that we have to talk about um because it's important in this arena for us so Check out the NAACP. All right. Now back to our story. So Q has stepped out of the car and I'm still in the car. Now, I know full well, I'm not new to this. I don't want you to think that I got active in 2020 and then read a couple of books and then I was like on my level, on my square. No, I've been this person. Um, for those that are not familiar, Q's mom and my dad are both preachers. And in the black community, more often than not, 
the, the preachers are the ones who obviously they're your spiritual advisors and so forth, but they're also kind of like community leaders, mm-hmm. right? So us being children of ministers meant that we also had a dose of take care of your community, protect your community. So for me, since a young age, I always knew that that was going to be a part of my existence forevermore. I was born into a group that is considered disadvantaged uh, by every meaningful metric in this country. Mm-hmm. And it is my job to know that and work against that. Right. And so I've read books my whole life. You know, my study, you know, for those that watch the show or, or listen to the show and are familiar with Dr. Westenberg, I met Dr. Westenberg when I was 19. She was my teacher. So for the past 21 years, uh, she has been influencing me um, and providing me with deeper insight. Um, I was the president of the Black Student Union when I was in college. She was the advisor. So this gives you um, a little bit of an idea. So when we're pulled over in Mississippi and they ask you to get out of the car again, very clearly, we're not drunk. And and he asks you to step back. And remember, I can't see out that window. So I don't know what's happening with you. Not only is there a bright spotlight, but I've now stepped out of view. Out of view. <clears throat> totally. So he didn't say, hey, I want to give you sobriety. He didn't say any of that. He said, hey, just step back back here. And you listen to Q talk. He talks like that all the time. Drunk people sound different. They, they look different. They move different. Uh, or people on drugs or whatever. This is my understanding. Obviously, don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. We've seen it. Yeah, we, we're DJs. We're hate clubs, all the time. Yeah. So once that happened, I'm like, uh-oh, now it's a problem. Now, you may say something different, but I just know that this is the way those stories tend to go. Uh, everyone is talking about Tyree Nichols and how much of a skater he was and how cool he was and how he was such a, a kind person or whatever. That that's not the first time that happened. Yeah, people may have been able to find out, oh, seven years ago, George Floyd did this. And oh, yeah, that one guy, he did this a long time ago. And oh, yeah, he smoked joint in, in high school, whatever, you know, and to try to make these people all look like criminals. They darken their photographs when they when they put their their pictures up on the news and that sort of stuff to try to make them look more sinister. Um, and they couldn't do that with Tyree. But we know that that's just the media trying to to reach and really police trying to to reach to try to you know uh, as a more articulate way of describing it but effectively what he says is that they're trying to um erode some of the sympathy from the the popular uh, uh consensus view vantage point um so again, we didn't have to be perfect in order to get hemmed up on some some silly stuff or, you know, beat up or even killed on the side of the road, right? So I'm in full panic mode. All the alarm bells are going off because there's no reason for them to take you out of the car where I can't see him. So what do I do? Because I know what's coming next. They are about to come to this car and they're going to take me out of the car too. I wasn't even driving the car. Now, first off, it's not my way to abandon nobody. If you're going down, I'm going down with you. I'm just made that way. So if that ever happens, especially if your name is Q. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But 
I didn't even do anything. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're coming back to get me. Right? I wasn't driving the car, nothing. Right. So what do I do? I'm like, okay, the only thing I have is my phone, but we've been bumping outcast the whole time and we don't have chargers for this car. Maybe Q was plugged up and I wasn't, you know, I was thinking we can charge and we get to no, the hotel. We ended up buying a charger. We didn't have so, one. So there you go. Yeah. So I'm like, let me turn on my phone and record this. The problem is, again, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. I don't record it because if something happens, I can't get that footage out. They can go on my phone and delete it. We've seen police officers do that too. So I go on Facebook Live. Now remember, I told you the backstory. It's 2020. People is in the streets active. People knows I petitioned people outside. Yes. Mad. And everybody's at home looking at Facebook because ain't nobody at work, right? Um, it was a little later in the day for people back home. Of course, we we're on the East Coast at well, that the, time. The but benefit, was, though, is that people were still awake where we were from. Yeah. Two in the morning on the east coast it's 11 o'clock at night and yeah. a lot of people that we know on their phone djs people yeah. that work in nightlife people that don't have traditional nine to fives they up yep so i go on facebook live because y'all about to see whatever's about to happen okay so i turn on my facebook live and that's it i just put my phone in the in the dashboard kind of wedged it in there to where it's upright the phone is on me and sort of looking back. The problem is that those police lights are so bright. And I, 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 I maybe, you know, oh, it's for the police officer's protection. Maybe, you know, but I, one of the things that I don't love, like I, I do want police to be protected, of course. They're, they're human beings. They're endowed with consciousness from our common creator. And therefore, I want them to be protected. But I also want our lives to be prioritized, too. Right. And so people are, well, it's for the officer's protection. Like somehow their life is more valuable. You know what I mean? The yeah. life of the men who are carrying guns more valuable than uh, those of us who are just driving our cars. And I disagree with that. You're, you're not wrong, but that's something that I fundamentally disagree with. I think that a life is a life, you know, a human life, especially. I recognize that we eat animals and step on bugs and that sort of thing. I don't step on bugs, but you know, anyway, uh, so now my Facebook is picking up and people are jumping in because they can see sirens. Yeah, imagine the first thing you see when you, oh, Rams is live. Oh, yeah. You jump on and you see spotlight and sirens. Yeah. So after. Or red and blue lights, right? Yeah. Yeah. Red and blue lights, right? So after a minute or so, um, now, my, I'm not talking to the camera. I'm trying to hide it so that the officer doesn't, you know, whatever. So the officer comes back and he's talking to me with that thick accent. He's standing behind the the pillar in the car. So, you know, the a, a window. I'm, I'm in the passenger seat. So on my right side, there's a pillar just behind my head that's almost uh, kind of parallel with the seat. Mm -hmm. um, so he's standing behind that pillar speaking to me. Um, but I can't see him. So again, I don't know what, what he looks like. None of that. And I hear that, that Mississippi accent. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is bad. But the thing is that people on Facebook are here too. So now people are like, where is Ramses? Where, you know, and someone had put in the, uh, the comments, cause you can 
interact with the live feed that Ramses is in Mississippi, right? So um, just like I thought, the officer asks for my ID. And I wasn't being combative at all, but I'm like, I'm, I'm just curious, what is it about me that makes you want or need my ID just so that I know what, what we're dealing with here? And he's like, you know, whatever he said, standard procedure, was just made some, I just want to know, make sure, whatever, whatever he was on. But I don't have a problem. Here's my ID. Take it. You know, um, now my ID is, I can say it on the radio. My ID is beat up. <laughs> I haven't had that ID since I had an ID <laughs> and it is old. And the only club I have to go to, I own it. And any other clubs that I have to go to, the people know me. I don't go out unless I'm invited and usually they're paying me. So <laughs> ID is never important. Um, and then, so anyway, I, I got this beat up ID, he takes it, he looks at it, takes down the information, gives it back to me, makes a comment about the ID or whatever, but that's that. So I'm thinking, OK, we're cool. And then he says, uh, I need you to step out of the car. And I'm like, oh, man, and I knew it was coming. So now I'm like, OK, let me jump out the car. And I asked him, I was like, so what is it about me that I need to get out of the car? He's like, man, listen, just get out of the car, walk back to my to the to the car with me, to my police car. And again, like you said, I don't want to argue with this man. So I jump out of the car right then my my phone dies so everybody watching on facebook the screen just goes black and then the 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 live feed has ended the live session has ended so now everybody at home the is, last thing they heard was this officer asking ramses to get out of the car <laughs> where q is what's happening with q they don't know yet because ramses wasn't able to like narrate i couldn't figure it out i couldn't see it um so before i have to kind of rewind because to tell both stories you kind of have to jump back and forth a little bit um, because our stories at some point become the same. But mm -hmm. during this part of it, there are two very, very different, yeah, different stories happening. happening. Yeah. I step out of the car and I turn around and I see that this state trooper is black and my heart rate slows down. So this is the interesting part. My heart rate didn't slow down because I was going to be okay. My heart rate slowed down because I felt like I wasn't about to be killed. Yeah, at least that. And what a notion that I felt that way <laughs> today. What a notion. Yeah, because now right? you see. Because in Mississippi at 3 o'clock in the morning, if these white state troopers... And white highway patrol officers pull us out of this car. It's Porsche. This could go really, really bad. Uh, and somehow to me, seeing that this first officer was black, because I haven't seen the second officer yet, made me feel like I wouldn't die that night. Which means every moment prior to that, I felt like I might. And that is a crippling level of fear because you can't logic your way out of it. I already know I haven't done anything that would lead to me being asked to get out of my car. I already know that it does not require me to be non-compliant or aggressive or violent or a criminal 
for them to escalate this to something awful. I know that if you didn't look like you and you look like, pick a person who's not black, that it wouldn't have happened. Well, more specifically, pick someone that is white. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm going for. I know you don't like when I do that, but 65-year-old white no, corporate executive. Just white. Rams just thinks all those other factors matter. It just, it just helps, you, it helps you to visualize. If I was Justin Bieber... Not even him, but looked like him. It'd be the same. I wouldn't have to be 65 in corporate. I wouldn't have to have a suit on right. and be old. The 23-year-old yes, blonde being white would help yeah, no, a lot. It. I get it. And the okay. reason I know this is because you guys have no such video of someone that doesn't look like me being beat to death by police officers for no reason. It doesn't exist. Because trust me, the system that runs the country that we live in would have made sure that we saw it by now over and over again to prove that they're not as racist as we say they are. I go to the back of the That's car point. and I start two different conversations. One of them with a Mississippi state trooper. The other one with a black man that just so happens to either be a sheriff or a highway patrol officer. Two very, very distinctly different interactions. Mm -hmm. The black man that walks, that, that I'm sorry, that works as a member of the law enforcement community has a very human being conversation with me. Mm -hmm. How you doing, brother? Where you from? Just vacation. Where you guys where you guys headed? Oh, you guys came all the way from out there. What do you do? Oh, you do that. I know somebody that does that. Yeah. Real cool. it, it's a really human being conversation, which again, creates my heart, makes my heart rate slow down a little bit more, except officer, other guy yeah. is going to make sure this feels like an interaction with law enforcement in Mississippi at three o'clock in the morning and you're black. Yeah. And he was black. It was the wildest thing. Now, Ramses gets out of the car. So, I'm walking back to the sound of his voice. My phone is off. So, I'm like, dang, nobody's even seeing this. So, now my heart is hitting hard. And everything that man tells me to do, I'm doing it exactly the way that he says to do it. Robot-like. Yep. Are you not. It, it, I need you to stand right here. Right here. This is where I'm standing. And I'm standing behind Ramses, behind the car, watching this interaction yeah, happen. I didn't turn my head. I didn't turn my, nothing. No sudden movements. No, no movements, period. Like, I'm, if this is the direction I'm facing and y'all over there having a conversation, then I'm going to just stay. You didn't tell me I could look that way. Right? So, here's where it gets interesting. So far, you're like, okay, two black guys pulled over in Mississippi, driving a nice car officers wanted to pull him out just talk to him a little bit whatever the system judges us unfairly the system causes these people to take on prejudices against their own people the system causes people to associate traits and characteristics uh with blackness that 
aren't necessarily there. There's something that's that's very important to say. You know, there's this statistic that, you know, is, is shared uh, on right wing um, commentators and sites and, you know, places around the Internet. Black people commit the majority of the crimes. Right. And they have the the, the data to back it up or whatever. Right. And it's it, the, the that that information is flawed uh, in that black people get arrested more frequently for for crimes criminal activity and if you want to dig deeper black communities are over policed very intentionally and and, and and so then you start to see why data could look that way um but it starts with interactions like this one so what happens next well as awkward as i am and i'm standing there we're out there for hours with these people they start shaking us down. Hey, so what are you guys doing? What are you got? You know, he, he starts shaking us him. Down. That the one, the one officer, right? Officer such and such, black as he was, was shaking us down. Right? What are you guys doing? Blah blah blah. This that was, you know, and Q's answering all the questions. I'm, I don't have nothing to say. I don't. I don't Why do no you fun. go all the way to Florida to get a car? Because it's a nice car, and we got it's a good, a very, price. very specific car that she wanted that I went to get. Yeah. Anyway, so then. You guys got any drugs in the car? Well, he already answered that. No, I've never done a drug. He's never done a drug. We don't sell drugs. We're, we're radio people. We're DJ. We're, that's not what we do. All right. Well, um, do you mind if I search the car? Absolutely. Please search the car. It's well, brand new. Actually, of course we do. Right? <laughs> because you're supposed to have a warrant for that. However, we're not, we don't want no it's fun. Mississippi. And it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's and dark, it's dark. It's black. And we're terrified. Running. So, sir, anything that you could do that would mean we can get back in the car and, and leave here alive, that'd be tight. Running. So go for it. So watch this. Now, he searches the car. Nothing comes up. Of course, nothing came up. The car is new and it's us. So we're like, okay, cool. We can get up out of here. Um, no, so I'm going to go ahead and get the dog out here to smell the car. So now we got to wait for the dog. They get the drug, the, dog. the drug sniffing dog. Right. So they walk the, the canine dog. unit. They walk the dog around the car. Okay. Brand new car. Put the dog back and then comes Did back. Did you tell them how them. brand new? We left the dealership. We, yeah. The and car's not drove a, to where we are. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> the dog gets put back away. And then the same cop, super cop, comes back and is like, yeah, well, the dog indicated the uh, presence of drugs in the car. Um, so we're going to have to do another search, another search of the car. Right. So. He goes back around, um, of course, finds nothing, then gives us the lamest excuse I've ever heard. He said that somebody may have had a joint in their pocket and put maybe brushed up against the side of the car when we stopped to get gas in Alabama and the dog could smell the person bumping up against the side of the car, despite us driving for hours the dogs and the wind blowing what smelling sensories than us or yeah. something like that. So there's no version of the conversation that we're having about the Tyree Nichols situation or really any of this stuff that means more to us than our own lived experience. We do recognize that the policing as an institution is biased against us. It, it presupposes and it assumes and it, and it prejudges people like us. And if you get the wrong one on the wrong night, 
and do everything right cost you your life you can if you do everything right life. if you do the if you have a mental health break, any anything like this we're playing a life and death game and it feels like it's only us and we were born to lose and so i say once again it is not a black and white issue it is a blue issue moving on uh it's time for the way black history fact um, today's Way Black History Fact is sponsored by the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. And today we are going to talk about money. Uh, money, wealth, indeed, shapes outcomes with respect to pretty much everything. Politics. Certainly with the criminal justice system. Not even pretty much everything, bro. You can just flat out say it. Yeah, healthcare. Everything. Yeah, everything. Money. In this country specifically. Yeah. yeah. So um I came across a story for our way black history fact that I thought was pertinent that helps folks to know that we weren't born to just be poor. We weren't just born to get beat up by the police or commit crimes or whatever. We have done our best at several points in history to um, come together, to build our community, to pool our resources, to invest in ourselves. Once upon a time, we could not depend on the government because the we still can't, but you know what I'm trying to say. Once upon a time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks for that look, by the way. <laughs> but once upon a time, that was not even a question. We had to do it ourselves, and we did. And this is part of what I want to share today. So I will read. Um, Booker T. Washington, the founder of the Tuskegee Institute and the son of slaves, once wrote, by habits of thrift and economy, we are coming up. The American dream is deeply rooted in the belief that thrifting and saving are the necessary means to an end that is comprised of prosperity and abundance. This belief, coupled with the banking needs of formerly enslaved black soldiers, spurred the incorporation of the Freedmen's Savings and Trust Company in 1865. Quote, this bank is just what the freedmen need. Uh, unquote proclaimed Abraham Lincoln on March 3rd, 1865, as he signed the Freedmen's Bank Act and authorized the organization of a national bank for ex-slaves. Due in part to aggressive recruiting tactics, the number of ex-slave depositors grew rapidly from 1865 to 1870. 34 branches were established in cities across the nation, including Atlanta, Charleston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. Quote, go in any forenoon and the offices found full of Negroes depositing little sums of money, drawing little sums or remitting to a distant part of the country where they have relatives to support or debts to discharge. Uh, unquote. This is reported in the Charleston Journal in 1867. All right. And yet thrifting and saving did not yield desired results. The dream of prosperity and abundance slowly spiraled into a nightmare of fraud, mismanagement, and discriminatory lending. In 1871, Congress authorized banks to provide business loans and mortgages. Paradoxically, such mortgages and loans were usually administered to whites at the expense of black depositors. Hmm. Of course. Hmm. 
risky investments and lending patterns coupled with cronyism and corruption at the level of upper management slowly undermine the stability of the bank. According to Black Past, quote, in by 1874, massive fraud among upper management and among the board of directors, mind you, these are white folks, um, or at least mostly, I know that part because I actually did read that part in a, in a different article. This, by the way, comes from Black Enterprise. Uh, board of directors had taken its toll in the bank. Moreover, economic instability uh, brought upon by the Panic of 1873, coupled with the bank's rapid expansion, proved disastrous, unquote. The Freedman Bank was officially closed in June 29, 1874. At the point of closing, 6,001 or sorry, 61,144 black depositors were robbed of the modern equivalent of $66 million. The failure of the bank left many black depositors and borrowers distrustful of the white banking community, especially since the Freedman Bank was established and managed by white men. Um, so in short, uh, so far, white people were managing the bank, uh, where the earnings of ex-slaves were being deposited. They used that money to make more risky, uh, uh, loans on the bank. Go ahead. What, what do you... Talk to me, man. What's up? I don't know that a greater... human trait or characteristic exist than the love, trust, empathy, and perpetual forgiveness of black people to America. Yeah. White men established and ran a bank for free black people and stole their money from them. Yeah. Well, it goes on. Uh, I'll, I'll read this. In subsequent years, the white banking community has imposed higher interest rates on black borrowers or simply rejected their applications for mortgages and small business loans. Although black depositors should be far less concerned about being overtly robbed of their money today, research indicates that blacks continue to be treated far worse than whites when seeking loans or mortgages, even when all other variables such as credit history or academic and professional credentials are the same. Quote, if you are white and set up and set out to get financing for an entrepreneurial venture, it might be a tough journey said Glenn Christensen, professor of marketing at Brigham Young University. He goes on, but generally speaking, you would experience fewer obstacles and find more help along the way than if you came from African-American or Hispanic background. And then we'll wrap it up here. In recognition of these age-old disparities and access to a growing number of community leaders are supporting Black-owned banking institutions, quote, Empower empowerment starts with ownership, unquote, explained a renowned singer-song Oh, sorry, explained renowned singer songwriter Usher during a Black History Month appearance at the bank at sorry, at the black owned Citizens Trust Bank in Atlanta. He continues, we're here supporting Citizens Trust Bank as a black bank, but it also stands for the support of all the black business businesses that they support. It's all about supporting our own. Uh, and I think we'll just leave it right there. So yeah, you're absolutely right, Q. There's um, a lot of stories. This is, mind you, this isn't, you know, Rosewood. This isn't, you know, uh, I forget the name of the, the town in Florida. Um, this isn't, you know, Tulsa, uh, where there was Black Wall Street. 
you know, this isn't, um, I think there was another establishment that did really well politically and uh, economically. And I want to say it was either North or South Carolina, uh, but the Carolinas. Um, and uh, so this is a story that's happened many times in history. And oftentimes black people lose out and white men would benefit from it. And so it's important to, to understand your history, y'all, just so we know where we stand and where we're going and how to best be there for each other. We don't hate anyone. We just need to tell the truth, right? And that's what we do each and every week here on Civic Cypher. So once again, I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. Um, love. That's my message. Love. We we are the greatest example of love that the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you listening to us each and every week. Um, if you want to support us, hit the website, civiccypher.com. Submit any questions, any topics, anything you want us to cover. Uh, make a donation um, and uh, follow us on all social media at Civic Cipher. And I want to make a correction. Last week, we said that there were 80 million slaves that drowned in the Middle Passage. That number was misquoted. Uh, it's somewhere between one and four million. So once again, thanks for listening to Civic Cipher. And we'll talk to you all soon. Hey yo, we handle it. These brothers are fabulous. Dilated, showing you where rhyme travel is. Worlds is between from sunlight to moon. Busting off stage like gunfight saloons. Pull my mic back, you like that? Journalists, we're journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. With press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander Here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda What's happening? You got a question, then ask it The news is just a TV show Get past it And this from a quiet wartime journalist Headlines Wake up, refuse, and resist Like this Like this Like this Like this